If you're able to, let's stand together this evening for just a moment, give you a chance to stretch your legs. If you have your Bible, we're going to take our Bibles while we're standing and turn to Habakkuk chapter number one. Habakkuk chapter number one. We're on lesson number seven. Lesson number seven in our series, Avoiding Confusion. Avoiding Confusion. And we're going to divide this lesson up into two weeks, into two weeks. So this is part one, and uh, next Sunday, God willing, will be part two. That's usually how it works, isn't it? But you never know what might happen between now and then. So, but that's the goal anyway. There's so much material here that's been laid out, and in going through it, I really believe that to get the full impact, I don't want to rush through it, don't want to miss part of it, and uh, so... We're going to look tonight at lesson number seven, and the topic tonight is the presence of evil. The presence of evil. We're reading from Habakkuk chapter number one, and we're going to read verse number one. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry? And thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. Does this not sound like maybe some things that in 2022, (laughs) I think it's important for us to realize that there's nothing new in this society that we live in today that wasn't around even in the minor prophet Habakkuk's day. Therefore, the law is, is slacked and judgment doth never go, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore, wrong judgment proceedeth. Heavenly Father, please help us now and uh, empty me of self and fill me with your spirit. I pray that as listeners tonight, we would all be the same if we're saved. I pray for even one, maybe in our midst or two or three or even some online that they're, they're in the meeting. We're grateful for that, but they don't know you as Savior. That you would even use this material tonight to draw them to yourself. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. We'll let you be seated. The book of Habakkuk is one of the minor prophets, the minor prophets in the Bible. As you know, just because it's a minor prophet doesn't mean it does not have an important message. By being a minor prophet is simply talking about the size of the book. And it's not a very lengthy book. You can see from the book of Habakkuk that it is only three chapters long. You could probably read the book in uh, maybe six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes, upwards to 10 minutes, depending on how fast you read. But it wouldn't take long to sit down and read the entire book. It is one of the books of the Bible that is a dialogue. It's a conversation. A conversation between the prophet. Habakkuk was the prophet. And he's having a conversation with God. Think about that. Conversation with God. His name means to embrace, to embrace the name Habakkuk. And it gives the idea of embracing a child to comfort him. 
This is exactly what Habakkuk was in great need of at this time in his ministry. If you can tell that simply by just these first four verses, that what was happening and what Habakkuk was witnessing, he was, he was really worked up about it. Why is all this, can we say it, why is all this evil happening? Seemingly, God wasn't doing anything about it. So we have this dialogue. It is, this book is really gives us insight about why God allows evil. Now, what we, what we, let's go back to our lesson, uh, lesson number two, the existence of God. We're going to go back to it, but let's just be reminded of that title, the existence of God. So anything that happens does go through the hands of God in a sense. We talked about it this morning, then we said this, that God did not originate evil. God did not create evil. We'll come to that in a little bit. So it's packed with insight or understanding of why God allows evil and suffering. There's always a current event about evil almost, isn't there? Current event within a week, two weeks, a month. And then also we're going to learn how do we respond to it? How do we respond to these things? What does God have for us? And here's what the, remember the subject of this entire lesson is avoiding confusion. So Satan wants to use anything and everything to confuse us. Satan wants to use anything and everything to cause us to doubt the goodness of God. But we have God's word to help us, and thank God we have it. So it is a dialogue between God and Habakkuk, and Habakkuk is really struggling with this idea, and he's struggling with this idea of what maybe you're struggling with or maybe what I struggle with from time to time, and here it is. How can we reconcile the reality of evil and the existence of God at the same time? Is there evil in this world, yes or no? Yes, there is. Does God exist? Yes, he does. So we have evil that exists, and we have God that exists. How can that happen? How can there be a holy God, all-powerful God, and yet at the same time, there's evil that exists? As we even read in the opening verses of our text, Habakkuk is dialoguing. Again, he's speaking to God and he's saying to God, you know, why are you letting all of these things go unchecked? You see our verse of scripture there, Habakkuk chapter number one. He says in verse number four, therefore the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth. Why are they getting away with evil? For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. So the wicked would be the evil the righteous would be the believer. Why is it that we're surrounded by evil? This is what Habakkuk is saying. But you must understand it. This is thousands of years ago. This wasn't last week. This wasn't 50 years ago. This was thousands of years ago that Habakkuk was seeing something and he was talking to God and saying, why is this happening? 
Maybe, maybe you've come to that. Maybe you've had that happen. You know, again, the news is so filled with bad news, unfortunately. But, you know, you hear about this th- these things that happen that are very wicked and very evil. And we'll, we'll get into that. I don't want to get too caught up in it right now in the introduction. But we may even come to that and think, you know, I don't see it. What is God doing in this? It is the only book of the Bible that is entirely a dialogue between God and an individual. There's no other book like it. It is only one of two books of Scripture that are categorized, this was a new word for me, as a theodicy. That's not a minivan, okay? A theodicy. What is a theodicy? It is the justification of God's ways to human beings. Can you think of what maybe the other book might be? No. Job. Who said Job? Job, that's the one. Yeah. Look at what happened to Job, right? And so Mal, or, uh, Malachi, uh, Habakkuk is that other book. So Habakkuk and Job, a theodicy. Okay. So what's happening when this book was written? Okay. What's happening is that uh, Israel is under Babylonian captivity. Babylonian captivity. And so it's, it's, not a, it's not a good time. But unfortunately, it's not going to get any better right now. In fact, it's going to get worse. What Habakkuk was longing for, what Habakkuk was desiring, was revival. He was wanting God to do something about the evil and the wickedness that was around him. He had seen a national revival before. He had witnessed a national revival during the days of King Josiah. And he was longing for those days once again. That had been a long time before this. All that was in front of him was judge, or all that was in front of him was a lack of judgment, evil, wickedness. That's all he could see. So in my thinking and reading this, Habakkuk is a very relevant book for today. It's a book of current events. Again, you don't have to look very far in the newspaper online. Hands. If you do, that's fine. But you don't have to look very long in a newspaper or on a website. You don't have to look far and you don't have to look long and hard to find evil in the world today. Evil exists. And by the way, evil will always exist until the Lord Jesus Christ comes and sets up his millennial kingdom for 1,000 years and, and we get into eternity. Evil's going to exist. God did not create evil. We'll come to that in a little bit. It's going to exist. So what do we do with this? How do we reconcile it? How do we function in a world filled with evil? How do we function in a world filled with people uh, that can, can do some of the most dastardly evil things to another human being? Well, that's what Habakkuk was viewing in his day as well. How is he going to deal with this? How is he going to make sense of what God was apparently allowing? 
All right, let's take a look at this outline. Number one is the problem of evil. The problem of evil. Chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. So this word burden means, it means a divine vision from God. So Habakkuk was seeing something unfolding in front of him. And it, 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 was, it was cumbersome. It was burdensome. Excuse me. It was burdensome to him. It weighed heavily on him. It wasn't a good thing. It wasn't a good thing. Now, we believe all things can work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. This was a burden to him. 150 years earlier, the prophet Isaiah experienced a divine vision from God as well. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. So in that same way, Habakkuk is seeing a vision from God. This was not a divine assembly, though, where Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. Habakkuk was not seeing a divine assembly. He wasn't seeing God in his holiness. No, what Habakkuk was seeing was a land filled with atrocities. What Habakkuk was seeing was a land filled with evil and a nation filled with evil. And it was a great burden to him. What did this bring about? Letter A, it brought about Habakkuk's questions. Habakkuk's questions. Just as in the days of Habakkuk, it doesn't take long for us in 2022 to recognize a world full of evil and a world full of wrongdoing. By the way, all evil is ugly. There isn't anything good about evil. We have a world filled with violence. We have a world filled with hate. We have a world filled with crime. Many times the crimes that are done to innocent people. Obviously, you, you, we have fresh on our mind this shooting in Texas. We have an invasion of a, of a sovereign nation by another nation. Could that not be, can that not be labeled evil? This is the world in which we live. It matters not what country we're talking about. It matters not what place we're talking about. In every city, in every province, in every state, in every village, We can find evil. It doesn't take long to find it. These innocent people, many of them, many times, and I've sat across from people that have told me their stories from times, and they've gone back to their childhood, and they've said, this happened to me when I was a child, and this happened to me when I was a child, and all, all, I mean, it's just evil. 
My father did this to me. My uncle did this to me. My mom did this to me. And on and on and on and on. And maybe it, maybe there's a, maybe it affects you here tonight. And I'm not trying to be unkind and bring up something from your past, but we have a world filled with this. And it brings about questions, doesn't it? Not only that, but we have natural disasters. We have sickness, disease. It's all around us. Let me read something here from, uh, from the notes. Randy Alcorn wrote a book entitled, If God is Good. If God is Good. In this book, he says, in Sudan, millions, including children, have been murdered, raped, and enslaved. In 2004, an Asian tsunami killed more than 280,000 people. Malaria causes more than 2 million fatalities annually, the majority of them African children. Around the world, 26,500 children die every day, 18 every minute. We've been here for 52 minutes, 52 times 18 have died since we've been in church. He compares the terrorist attacks on September 11th where 2,973 people died, and it was horrible, as he says. He says, yet a small fraction of the terror and loss of life faced daily around the world. The death toll in 1994 Rwandan genocide, for example, amounted to more than two World Trade Center disasters every day for 100 days straight. Can you imagine that? Two World Trade Center disasters happening every day for 100 days in a row. That's evil. So how can a good, loving, all-powerful, all-knowing God be okay with this? Isn't that a question that maybe you've heard before? Maybe it's even a question that we've thought about. You know, when we read the news and we hear something, the next evil thing that we hear about or this happened, how can, how can God uh, be okay with it? If God is all-powerful, we say we believe he is, so how can God be okay with it? I would have to say to you that it's a very difficult question. Difficult question. But we aren't the first ones who have battled with this question. In 350 BC, a philosopher named Epicurus posed this question. Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Think about this. Is God willing to prevent evil but not able? Then he is not powerful. Is he able but not willing? Then he is not good. Is he both able and willing? Then whence come the evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why call him God? It's an interesting question, isn't it? The question of how suffering and evil can be reconciled with God's justice and love is a big problem for many skeptics. 
John Scott being one of them said, quote, the fact of suffering undoubtedly constitutes the single greatest challenge to the Christian faith and has been and has been in every generation. Its distribution and degree appear to be entirely random and therefore unfair. I must admit to you, even myself, I believe the Bible to be the word of God. I'm just saying, and yet I, underst- I don't understand every time why a loving God would allow suffering to go on in the world. A Barna poll, a Barna poll was, was asked, if you could ask God one question and you knew he would give you an answer, what would you ask? The most common in this survey was, why is there pain and suffering in the world? We find the book of Habakkuk starting off with that question. Look at verse one again. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. Verse two, O Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not what? Here. God, why is this happening? God, are you there? Are you listening? He's attempting, Habakkuk is attempting to reconcile what he knows of the nature and character of God with the evil that is around him. He's seeing it every day. In some ways, we see it every day as well. I recognize this is a very heavy topic. One encouraging takeaway from the fact that God chose to include this book in the Bible. By the way, God put these books in the Bible on and with purpose. They're on purpose and they're with purpose. One of the, one of the facts about that is that we can see that our God is patient and long-suffering to people who ask questions like Habakkuk and like you and like me. He didn't just say to Habakkuk, you know, be quiet. They, they talked for three chapters. They dialogued for three chapters and God allowed it to be written in, in ink for you and me to read. And read it in about 10 to 15 minutes. Read it over and over again. Read Job. Same thing. God is patient with Job as he asks questions and he questions what God is doing. And all all throughout that, he is patient with Habakkuk. He is patient with Job. And praise the Lord, he's patient with us. Notice the the two words in verse 2. How long? How long? It would seem that Habakkuk felt like he knew what he would do about all the suffering around him if he was allowed to do something with it. He would eliminate it. Why isn't God listening? Why isn't God uh, answering my prayer? How long? How, How much do we, when we look at things that happen to us, and we, we want God to deal with it right away. I mean, God, I've been, I've been wrong. And how come you're not dealing with it right away? I think every, every one of us in here in some way have, have been wronged. I mean, not to the level maybe of others, but we might look at that and say, how come God isn't dealing with it? That's what Habakkuk is saying. How long? When are you going to make it Right. <laughs> Can you remember another prophet of God who maybe had that kind of an attitude about God withholding judgment? Yes, correct. Jonah. 
I mean, and at the end of the book of Jonah, you talk about a weird ending to a book of the Bible. At the end of the book of Jonah, the whole city has repented and the king has been in sackcloth and ashes and, and everything. And, and, uh, and yet, boy, what is revealed in the end of the book of Jonah is the bad attitude of the preacher. Because he just wants them to be judged and wonders why God hasn't done it yet. In fact, he's, he's really ticked off because they got saved, all right? Revival happened. What a sad state. He wanted God's wrath to be poured out on them. If we could be honest tonight, all of the wrath that we think God ought to pour out on other people, we all deserve ourselves. <laughs> I mean, what do I deserve? What do you deserve? I deserve the judgment of God. That's what I deserve. But, oh, Pastor Ben, but you've never gone in and and shot a gun at a school. You've never done this. You've never done that. But I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell. There's none righteous, no, not one. What did Jeremiah say? The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's me. You know, so many times we look at everybody else and we think, well, I'm not evil like them. Do you know that within you and within me is the capacity to do evil? The greatest level of evil you could ever think of, that's within us. We're we're more prone to look at the evil that surrounds us instead of the evil that's in us. We're very good, we're very good at making sure everybody else gets, you know, judgment, and but yet when it comes to us, many times, you know, well, what, what I've done is just not that bad. Well, who's, who's the one that's judging? Is it you or is it God? It's God, right? So I think we need to be careful about that. So there are questions. Letter A, Habakkuk's questions. Letter B. It goes deeper. We see letter B, Habakkuk's hopelessness. Habakkuk's hopelessness. Look at verse number two. Is this working, Brother Joey, or should I just stand here? It's working. Okay. Look at verse number two. Oh, Lord, how long shall I cry and thou wilt not hear? Hello, God. You know, it's not like Elijah where they're, you know, where Elijah's praying and or before Elijah prays, the prophets of Baal, they try to pray and, and, and Elijah's making fun of them. And he's saying, you know, maybe, maybe he's on a vacation. Uh, maybe he's taking a nap. And that's what Habakkuk's saying, God, uh, how come you're not hearing? He said in verse two, even cry out unto thee of violence and thou wilt not save. You talk about a hopeless feeling. God is not listening and God is not intervening, at least on Habakkuk's terms. That's hopelessness. Let's turn over to Psalm 13, please, quickly. Psalm 13. Habakkuk's questions, letter A, letter B, Habakkuk's hopelessness. Psalm 13, verse number one, the psalmist David says, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? 
So Habakkuk wasn't the first one to say something like what he said to God in, in, in chapter 1, verse 2. You know, David said the same thing. Possibly we've said the same thing as well at some point in our life. But I say to you today that even as Habakkuk was pouring out his heart, God was listening. How do we know God was listening? Well, we have it right here. God had him him write it. It's written in ink, and we can read it today in English or whatever language maybe your Bible is in. We can read it, and we've been able to read about it. People have been able to read about it for history, for all of history. God was listening. But the silence of God doesn't mean that God is absent. That'd be a good thing for us to think about in our own lives. The silence of God doesn't mean that God is absent. It doesn't prove that he's absent. Well, I've been praying for this. I've been praying for that. I've been praying for this. I've been praying for that. And it doesn't seem like God is answering. That doesn't mean God's not listening. God was listening to Habakkuk. God's listening to you. God's listening to me. God's taking note of your needs that you have. Believe me, God knew about your need before you asked for it. God knew about my needs before I asked for it. And just because we don't see the the need maybe coming to to being met or doesn't appear that God is listening, God is listening. How about Exodus chapter 2? Exodus chapter 2. Children of Israel are in bondage in Egypt. In Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. Exodus chapter 2, verse 23. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. And the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. Its weight is heavy. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. In the middle of their difficulty, in the middle of their bondage, in the middle of their captivity, they were tempted to believe that God did not see them and was not listening, but yet nothing could be further from the truth. Because look at Exodus 3, verse 7, please. Exodus 3, verse 7. And the Lord said, I have surely seen thee, what? Affliction. Hey, I've been watching it all the time. You know, he's got a view that none of us have. He's got an upward view. He's before time. I've seen the affliction of my people, which are in Egypt. I have, what's the next word? Heard. I've seen their affliction. I've heard their cry. By the reason of their taskmaster, taskmaster, excuse me, tongue tied there. For I know their sorrows. Here's some encouragement. You have never faced a trial that God did not already see. You have never faced a difficulty that God did not already hear about. You have never gone through anything that God did not already know about. What did Habakkuk see? 
What did Habakkuk experience that really burdened him? We're talking about the burden. That's the big number one, the burden. What was it that burdened him so much? He saw three things that burdened him so much. Number one, he saw violence. Violence. Number two, he saw injustice. Injustice. And number three, he saw evil. We see this in verses three and four. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? Habakkuk 1.3. For spoiling and violence are before me. There are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore, the law is slacked and judgment doth never go forth. I mean, this is injustice. This is not fair. Again, we're talking about a prophet thousands of years ago who witnessed some of the same things that we witness today in 2022. Let's think about evil for a minute. We, divide, we can divide evil up into two categories. Firstly, is natural. Natural evil. What is natural evil? Okay, Natural evil. These would include things like hurricanes, earthquakes, fires. I mean, you mean look, at, look at how much of B.C. has been burnt in the last couple of years. Natural disasters. We could also put in with this, we could put in uh, sickness, disease. Why are all these things happening? It's all part of the fallen human race. By the way, we have one race, you know that, right? The human race. That would alleviate a lot of problems if we would think that. Any catastrophes that cause pain or loss. In other words, they're not as a direct result of a personal choice to sin. Right? You know, it's not like somebody did something wrong and then there's a hurricane that comes. This is a natural occurrence. We define them as natural evil. Secondly, so we have natural evil. Secondly, we have moral evil. Moral evil. What are these? They would include things like rape. That's moral evil. That's a choice somebody makes. Murder. Theft. Slander. Any other sin that proceeds from my heart. Moral evil. You know, the, the, the gospel record of Matthew tells us about these. Turn over to Matthew 15, please. Matthew 15. We're talking about the problem of evil. Number one, big number one is the problem of evil. And within that, we see that Habakkuk had questions. We also see Habakkuk's hopelessness. Matthew chapter 15. 
verse number 19. This is why tonight we need to recognize that while we may look at things and say, well, I would never do that. Let's see what God's word says. Verse 18, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart, and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. They proceed out of the the moral evil, proceed from the heart of fallen man. Whether it's natural or moral, there are innocent victims in both categories. So, do we blame God for the natural evil? Do we blame God that he allows the moral evil to take place? See, this lesson, these lessons are about having a biblical worldview. All of them. They're building on each other. So, regardless of a worldview that you have tonight, and I would pray that you have have a desire, we have a desire for a biblical worldview. Whatever the worldview is, can't escape evil. If your biblical worldview or a non-biblical worldview, still you can't escape evil. So it's not just a problem with, let's say tonight, Christians. You know, how do Christians uh, explain what happened in Texas? How do, no, it doesn't matter if it's Islam, Christian, Buddhist, it doesn't matter. Evil is universal. Atheism, agnosticism, deism, dualism, it doesn't matter, fill in the blank. Evil is universal and it's inescapable. in this world that we live in. There's no easy answer for it. Number two. We're just going to start into number two, and then our time is up. I don't want to leave the meeting with that note. I want to go just a bit further. So let's just stay with us just a little bit further. Number two, the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. There is no way we can address the problem of evil from a Christian worldview without acknowledging God for who he is. Most times we would ask this question. What does, this way, we would ask the question, what does my problem say about God? Think about this. What does my problem say about God? Here's a better way to ask it. What does my God say about my problem? You see the difference? What does my problem say about my God? As if my problem takes something away from who God is. And my problem never takes anything away from who God is. 
It's what does my God say about my problem? There's a better way to ask it. The sovereignty of God. Psalm 103, verse 19. The Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. His kingdom ruleth over all. God is never surprised by sin. God is never surprised by the effect of sin on your life and mine. In fact, God prepared in advance for evil. Think, don't miss this. We'll go home on a positive note. God prepared in advance for evil. How do you know this? Acts 2.23. Acts 2.23. It says, Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Talking about Jesus, that's who Him is. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. How about this one? Revelation 13, verse 8. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God being sovereign, God being all-knowing, knew that we would sin. Knew that we would sin because of our nature that was given to us, but knew also that we would sin by choice. This is how much God loves us, that from the very beginning, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, He would allow Him to be despised and rejected, and He, would, he still loved uh, me, He still loved you enough that He would carry out this plan, the sovereignty of God. You say, Did God not see all of this coming? Yes, he did. He saw all of it coming. That's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. Did he see Adam and Eve? Did he see them sinning in the garden? Yes, he did. But again, God did not create, uh, God did not create Adam and Eve like a robot to do everything that God said for them to do. He created them with a free will. He created you with a free will. He created me with a free will. Or else we don't really have love in our world today without the ability to choose. That's why God gave us that free will. Evil and suffering did not come as a surprise to God. Evil and suffering should not come as a surprise to us. Even in John 16, 33, these things have I spoken unto you that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have what? Tribulation. But Jesus said, be of good cheer. Why? He said, I have overcome the world. We're not going through this world. We're not going through this life as a Christian living in defeat. No, we're going through this life recognizing that our God, that our Lord Jesus Christ has overcome the world. I will admit to you that there are aspects of life that we will never have the capacity to unravel. He says this in Isaiah 55, verse 8. Here's where we bring it down to a close. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For my thoughts are not your thoughts. So what does it mean that God's thoughts and ways are higher than ours. 
God willing, we'll pick it up there next week. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. I just don't understand it, okay? Yep. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. In short, God did not create evil. In fact, God did not create Satan. God created the most beautiful angel in all the world. He didn't create Satan. He created the most beautiful angel in all the world. And that angel was given a free will, just like all the other angels. And that angel said, I want to be higher than God. And iniquity was found in him. God did not create Satan. Lucifer made a choice to be higher than God. Iniquity was found in him. Hence, in case you don't make it back next week, hence the beginning of evil right there when the highest and most beautiful angel said, I want to be higher than God. When God created the world, he said, it's good. When God created and finished man, he said, it's very good. Unfortunately, man listened to the snake instead of God. And evil continues today. But even in that, Genesis chapter 3, God said, I have someone who will bruise the head of the serpent. Even in that, God was showing his love for you and his love for me.